Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Beat Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Ologunde. On this episode, I'll be discussing the role of politics in the security of mobile applications by looking at the case of YouTube and YouTube Kids. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So back in September 2019, YouTube agreed to provide new protections for children on its platform and then went ahead to pay a $170 million fine in a settlement that intensified government debate over how to rein in technology giants. So the Federal Trade Commission and the New York State Attorney General announced the penalty for YouTube following a year-long investigation in response to complaints from consumer groups which said the video platform illegally collected data on children to sell ads for products such as Barbie dolls and Play-Doh. The FTC said YouTube tracked internet activity for children under the age of 13 with the goal of keeping viewership eye on its platform. So YouTube neither admitted nor denied wrongdoing as part of the settlement and no executives at YouTube or its parent company Alphabet were penalized. Democrat commissioners on the FTC, including the outspoken Rohit Chopra, voted against the action, losing in a 3-2 vote. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki said YouTube would make changes to its platform, including switching off comments on children's videos and cutting off data collection on videos aimed at kids. Back then, YouTube said the changes would take effect in January 2020 to give video creators time to adjust. The broad outlines of the settlement were previously reported, but the comments from the FTC commissioners show that regulators remain divided on the best approach for reining in Silicon Valley's biggest players. The FTC's Republican leadership at the time noted the fine far exceeded previous penalties in similar cases. However, Minority Democrats said the FCC should have sought bigger financial penalties and more significant changes to YouTube's business practices. The disagreement reflected a debate largely between Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. over how and how much to ramp up the regulation of major tech platforms. Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican from Missouri, who has been a persistent critic of Silicon Valley, tweeted that the fine is, quote, an insult to every parent in America who has had their children's privacy violated, end quote. At that time, Google, um, a unit of Alphabet, was at the early stages of increasing regulatory interest in Washington. The Justice Department had opened an antitrust investigation into the company's dominant search platform, while a series of state attorney generals were also expected to announce their intentions the following week. Google executives had previously contended that the company did not have monopolistic power in its various markets. So the enforcement action echoed the controversial post-financial crisis enforcement of big banks and other financial institutions. Left-leaning politicians and other consumer advocacy groups have said that big banks did not pay stiff enough penalties back then. The $170 million in fines from the FCC and the state of New York amounted to less than 2% of Google's profits in the second quarter of 2019. 
In addition, the settlement mandated that YouTube will not violate the Federal Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, also known as COPA, in the future. However, child advocacy groups had argued that YouTube was not permitted to even violate the law in the first place. Back then, two Republican FTC commissioners, Joseph Simons and Christine Wilson, said this settlement forestalled a potentially drawn-out legal battle. In a joint statement, they both said, quote, We choose not to gamble the protection of children now in hopes of hitting the jackpot in the future. End quote. In his dissent, Mr. Rohit Chopra, a Democrat, said that the penalty was too weak to deter Google or YouTube from trying again to capitalize on its young users. He said, quote, The company baited children using nursery rhymes, cartoons, and other kid-directed content on curated YouTube channels to feed its massively profitable behavioral advertising business. End quote. So in July 2019, the FTC voted to impose a $5 billion penalty on Facebook Incorporated for broader deceptions that included luring customers into sharing personal information. However, the Democrat FTC commissioners also voted against that action at that time. So amid all these partisan battles, however, there were signs that both political parties could find ways to work together. For example, New York Attorney General Letitia James, a Democrat, joined the FTC's settlement um, against YouTube on September 4, 2019. So back in June 2019, prior to the imposition of the fine on YouTube, reports came out that YouTube was preparing significant changes to its children's platform in response to the FTC's investigation. The FTC said it launched its investigation and got help from advocacy groups, including the Campaign for a Commercial Free Childhood and the Center for Digital Democracy. The changes announced back then fell on the lighter hand of what was under consideration internally by regulators. No children's content would be removed by YouTube, although it may become less appealing or harder to find once YouTube turned off commenting on content aimed at children under the age of 13. YouTube said it recommends children younger than the age of 13 to use its YouTube Kids platform when watching videos independently, adding that YouTube Kids attract tens of millions of viewers each week. The changes required creators themselves to mark their videos as aimed at youngsters, and they removed the option for creators to serve personalized ads on children's content. Advertisers said understanding users' online browsing history helps provide more relevant ads. YouTube said it was establishing a $100 million fund for creators to develop original children's content on YouTube and YouTube Kids. So with the settlement, Google said updating its rules around children's content had become necessary because YouTube's audience had evolved over time. The company said that from its earliest days, YouTube had been a site for people over the age of 13, but with a boom in family content and the rise of shared devices, the likelihood of children watching without supervision had increased. So when YouTube set out to create a product for children, its employees thought it could be built like its main video streaming platform, basically ruled by algorithms with little human intervention. They however learned several years after launch that they were wrong. From the early days of YouTube, videos directed at children were among the most popular content. 
channels featuring animated nursery rhymes, children engaged in pretend play, and adults opening new toys have garnered billions of views since the platform started in 2005. As the site grew in popularity and advertising revenue tied to the videos poured in, an increasing number of parents complained that their children stumbled upon inappropriate content through its algorithm-driven recommendations. Holding on to young viewers involved a difficult reckoning at Alphabet Incorporated, which is the parent company of YouTube and the first tech giant to build a children's version of its main product. Ultimately, it decided that humans and not machine-trained algorithms could best select content for children. The trade-off of quality at the cost of user and revenue growth is significant as tech companies wrestle with attracting and keeping young users while addressing criticism that their products are not doing enough to promote the safety of younger customers. Instagram, which is owned by Meta Platforms, paused the development of a children's version of its namesake product after US lawmakers and parents raised concerns. ByteDance Limited's TikTok has started to test filling users' feeds with age-based content in response to criticism that adolescents are often exposed to mature and potentially harmful videos. So YouTube Kids was introduced back in 2015, and former employees say it was an effort to show parents and regulators that the company actually took children's safety seriously while grabbing its next generation of users. Former employees said that employees at YouTube Kids were divided on the best way to build a product specifically for children. For example, employees debated how significant a role humans should play in picking what videos are allowed in the children's version of their app. The founding engineers backed an open platform and were against employees selecting content, while others argued that a product made for children could not be left solely to an algorithm. According to one former executive at YouTube, many product managers and engineers felt that if a platform was 99% safe, that was enough. They added that the point was to find a way to avoid human curation, and eventually, the employees pushing for little editorial interference won out. Within months, users spent an average of 90 minutes a day watching videos which far exceeded internal goals, according to two former executives. Like its parent site, YouTube Kids was self-governed. It relied on users to flag inappropriate or troubling content and was subject to minimal review by human moderators. Soon after, however, controversy and negative publicity followed. Parents and watchdog groups identified disturbing videos in which popular cartoon characters like Mickey Mouse, Paw Patrol, and Peppa Pig were put in obscene or violent situations. In addition, researchers chronicled the prevalence of videos they deemed to have little educational merit, such as unboxing videos that showed children and adults opening toys. So by late 2018, YouTube executives acceded to having more editorial intervention and began to pour more resources into YouTube Kids. In early 2019, the FTC started investigating YouTube's data collection practices of minors. Former YouTube employees said that the trust and safety team expanded from a handful of people to hundreds of people. 
human reviewers were hired to vet channels, the number of human curators who picked videos um, that were featured on users' home screens increased fivefold to about 25 people. So YouTube hired Alicia Blom Ross, a researcher on children and technology, to minimize risk to children and ramp up quality content while maintaining the wide range of user-generated content that makes YouTube unique. Ms. Blom Ross formed an advisory board of about a dozen academic researchers specializing in child development and media literacy. The board informed product questions like how to recommend new content to children based on their viewing patterns. At the end of 2019, YouTube took its most drastic step yet. It removed millions of what it deemed low-quality videos from YouTube Kids, a decision that ultimately cut its library by about 80%. Over the next few months, YouTube cleared out videos of cartoon parodies and many unboxing videos that violated its policy on commercial content. As a result, the children's platform is now mostly made up of videos created by pre-approved content partners according to a former executive and people who work closely with the company. So as I mentioned earlier, YouTube's increasing scrutiny of its children's site coincided with a $170 million fine from the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, FTC, for violating children's privacy. Following that settlement, YouTube repeatedly reminded users to switch to the children's version whenever they watched a video that targeted children on the main YouTube platform. Many of the changes put in place have not helped growth. YouTube Kids continues to attract a fraction of the eyeballs of the main platform. In January, YouTube said the children's version has 35 million weekly viewers, up from 11 million in November 2017. On the other hand, the main YouTube platform has 2 billion monthly users. Many children also prefer the main YouTube platform. About 67% of children used the main YouTube platform in 2020, compared with 4% who said they used YouTube Kids. And this is according to a report from QStudio, a maker of digital safety apps. So a continuing question for YouTube and other tech companies thinking about creating a youth version of their main product is twins aged 9 to 12. This is the group that advertisers most want to reach as they acquire more pocket money. They have largely stuck with the main YouTube site because they think the other one is for preschoolers. YouTube has added more content like sports and gaming on the children's site to appeal to the preteens, but with little change in usage. It has also added more safety measures on the main site to limit their exposure to content called supervised experiences, but the adoption rate has been low so far. So that's all I have for this episode 124 of the Bid Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Bid Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorsky. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. 
Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Big Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.